You're listening to From the Front Lines, a special podcast from WUFT during the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast provides weekly updates on Florida's coronavirus response with a particular focus on North Central Florida. Each week, From the Front Lines will feature community leaders and frontline workers working to reopen their communities safely during these challenging times. Hello, I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and this is From the Front Lines. A quick note, during the production of this week's episode, the tragic death of George Floyd on May 25th in Minneapolis spurred days of unrest and protesting that have spread to every state in the nation. We'd be remiss not to acknowledge the pain and hurt that is currently going on in the United States. WUFT is and will continue to report on this issue in other ways. This podcast was created to address the ongoing pandemic's impact on our community and will continue to do so. Future content addressing the protests and social unrest will be available through WUFT. All counties in Florida except Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach will move to Phase 2 of Governor Ron DeSantis' reopening plan today. Retail stores, restaurants, and gyms can now operate at full capacity, and movie theaters and bowling alleys can reopen at 50% capacity. The governor made his announcement at Universal Studios in Orlando this week as the park became one of the first major theme parks to reopen. He's hoping the park's reopening can assure people it's safe to visit Florida again. We're the fishing capital of the country, the boating capital of the country. Our theme parks view those as being, you know, recreation that's much more low risk than some other recreation that you could see that other states would offer. According to the most recent numbers from Visit Florida, the state's Tourism Marketing Corporation, tourism contributed $91.3 billion to Florida's economy in 2018. So we wanted to know how the tourism industry is faring during this pandemic. On this episode, we will talk to various amusement parks around the state to see what they're doing to reopen. We'll also visit with that staple of summertime, water parks, to see how they are uniquely impacted by the pandemic. Then we'll go outdoors to find out how Florida's natural attractions like beaches and springs and the businesses relying on them are doing. First, let's start with a major event that took place this week in Florida. It was the first human launch from the United States in nine years and the first launch of NASA astronauts by a commercial provider. And thousands of people turned out to watch the historic event from the Kennedy Space Center. The occasion also came just a couple of days after the Space Center reopened its visitor complex, welcoming back guests looking to the stars. Josh Williams spoke with Rebecca Shireman, the communications manager for the Space Center, about the extra steps being taken to protect guests and the center's impact on the local economy. First of all, Rebecca, tell me, what led to the decision to reopen the visitor complex in late May? Well, we've been, of course, working closely with health and safety experts, both at the local and state level. And we were, you know, hoping to, of course, open as soon as it was safe to do so. And we, you know, determined that if this would be uh, good timing uh, with the governor's orders and um, what we had developed as far as a safety plan for guests and employees once they were able to return. What extra steps are being taken to make sure guests and employees are safe? Well, probably the biggest, well, one of the biggest things is uh, face coverings for our guests and employees are required. Uh, we are also limiting our capacity. So we're asking guests as much as possible to purchase a ticket online. And those tickets are timed entry so that guests will not be, you know, waiting in a line at our front entrance as they go through security. Uh, we're also um, accommodating social distancing in our queues and restaurants and other facilities 
and uh, we have markers on the ground and, of course, trained our uh, employees to assist guests in that. Um, and then we've also have inc increased uh, the frequency of sanitation and disinfection in our uh, all over the visitor complex. All right. So also big picture question here. What's the importance of the Kennedy Space Center to the community and the economy right now? Well, you know, the this area, Brevard County, is called the Space Coast. So there in the name <laughs> leads you to uh, understand the importance of it to this area. And, you know, we saw after the retirement of the shuttle and what an effect that had on this area, you know, how important both how important both the industry is itself and the perception of others outside the area for um, how important NASA and Kennedy Space Center are. And just kind of the public face, if you will, of Kennedy Space Center where guests, you know, can get closer to Kennedy Space Center and space than, you know, anywhere else. Um, you know, we really want to inspire the next generation that's going to be working in the space industry. And so that's the importance of the visitor complex. And we see over a million visitors a year. So the interest is there. And, you know, the, the continued expansion of the private sector with SpaceX and Blue Origin has really helped with getting the word out to people who may otherwise have thought that Kennedy Space Center, you know, wasn't active after the space shuttle retired. So that's really been a great benefit to our area as well, is reaching a new audience of people who see that the innovation is still taking place. It's still an active spaceport. And really, Kenny Space Center Visitor Complex is the best place to see that activity and understand the past, present, and future. Since reopening, have you already had a number of guests to demand a visit? We have, yes. We have seen um, some interest, of course, um, with the the demo two launch that was rescheduled, um, we saw a great interest in in seeing that launch. And then the days afterward, of course, as some local people will, were still in the area and still, you know, wanting to see, uh, wanting to um, expand that that experience of seeing the launch. Speaking of that rescheduled launch in late May, do you have an estimate of how many guests came out to watch that? Um, we had about 4,000 guests, um, which was well under, you know, our capacity, um, you know, maximums based on the governor's recommendations. And did that go well? It did, yes, overall. Um, you know, of course, we are requiring the face coverings, uh, encouraging social distancing, and we opened a couple of new, not new areas to watch the launch, but a couple of areas that we don't typically open to watch the launch. We open those up as well so that guests have the opportunity to spread out. Uh, I don't know if you've been to the visitor complex, but, but it's a, quite a bit of open air area and um, so you can see the launch from several different points within the, the main visitor complex. And why do you think science and engineering education is really so important during this time? Well, it's just so important because I think it inspires kids and, and grown-ups, of course, 
and they understand what benefits there are to space exploration. You know, there is a cost associated, of course, and there's a significant investment, but the benefits that we see from it are incredible. And, you know, just from a, from a feel good moment of seeing a launch and being amazed by the technology and innovation that it takes to launch humans, but also from the everyday benefits that we have that are things that were either developed, you know, or improved by NASA through the space program, you know, health and, and medical and wellness and cell phones. And, you know, there's so many things that we use every day that that have been improved upon by research and development for space exploration. According to Visit Florida, the tourism industry supports about one and a half million jobs in the state. A huge draw for visitors both within and outside Florida is our world-class theme parks and amusement parks. In 2018, Florida theme parks hit their largest number of visitors ever, 87.5 million people. But with closures due to the pandemic, countless sales and jobs have been lost. No city has been more affected by park closures than Orlando, where fans are ready to get back to Walt Disney World, Universal, SeaWorld, and Legoland. And employees are also ready to get back to work. Melissa Fato spoke to a few in the industry about how they're planning to welcome visitors back safely. When you fly into Orlando International Airport, there's a site you can't miss. The 400-foot-tall observation wheel located at Icon Park, a 20-acre entertainment complex and amusement park. The park is located on Orlando's International Drive and is usually crowded with guests from nearby hotels. But the park's signature attraction has been closed due to the pandemic until now. Icon Park CEO Chris Jaskowitz was there when it reopened June 3rd. And I, I met a family from Ohio, a family from Illinois, another family from Missouri. Jaskowitz says in order to reopen the wheel and the park's other attractions, Icon Park sought permission from Orange County. That involved a process whereby we explained to the county, described our operating guidelines, and we were actually one of the first to do it. And then the county inspected us, and then they um, approved us. The park's 40 restaurants are also open, and Jaskowitz is positive visitors will be able to comply with social distancing guidelines. It's easy to be socially distant at Icon Park because it's open air, it's gate-free. The park has also eliminated as many high-touch surfaces as possible, installed plastic barriers at the point of sale, and is requiring masks for employees and making them available for visitors. Jaskowitz is confident Orlando's tourism industry will be able to accommodate visitors safely going forward. And we're in the world's most competitive hospitality market. To succeed in Orlando, we have to be excellent with safety, with being adaptable and with disciplined processes. I mean, that's what we do. But down the street is a much, much bigger operation, almost 25,000 acres bigger. Walt Disney World Resort, which has been closed since March 16th, is gearing up to open again. And they'll need a veritable army of employees or cast members to pull it off. Kathy Hughes is a longtime cast member and server at Tusker House, a restaurant at Disney's Animal Kingdom. She feels ready to get back to work and trusts she'll be able to do so safely. Disney's main priority is safety. So I feel, and most of us feel like they're going to keep us safe when we go back. She recalls the day she learned the resort would be closing. 
I mean, me working there 30 years, I never would have thought I was going to be having to try to collect unemployment. In fact, because of the state's sluggish unemployment system, Hughes only received her first check last week. Some of her fellow cast members haven't been so lucky, which is why she has been helping organize food drives through her union. She jokes that she needs a vacation from her furlough. Last week we fed 500 families. This week we're planning on feeding 600 families. Hughes feels very grateful for her union, Unite Here Local 737, which represents over 18,000 food and beverage and housekeeping workers at Disney. So the union is kind of like our liaison between the cast members and the company to make sure that we are going to be safe when we go back to work. Eric Clinton is the president of Unite Here Local 362, which represents over 8,000 custodial attractions and vacation planning employees at Disney. After closing, Disney continued to pay unionized workers for five weeks. When Disney had to furlough over 43,000 cast members starting in April, Clinton and his union were able to negotiate with the company. And, you know, the two highlights from that are that we won permanent recall rights, and then the second thing, which was, you know, very critical in the, in the health pandemic is health insurance. And we won free family health insurance for our members for uh, one year. His union has also negotiated protections for when cast members get back to work. Or that if you get the virus, you'll still be ordered to stay at home and be paid for the entire length up to 14 days for any missed shifts. Uh, and then the second thing is that if you don't feel well and you need to miss work, you can call in with no punishment whatsoever. He says when the news came through that Walt Disney World will start reopening in phases starting July 11th, he hosted a Zoom meeting with over 500 enthusiastic members. It lasted three and a half hours. Not one of those questions was something like, do you think it's too soon or anything like that? It was all, how, am I, how soon can I get my uniform? Clinton expects those from his union will be called back to work fairly soon. What Disney has told me is that for if you are a full-time attractions worker or if you are a full-time custodial worker, you will be recalled back to work in the month of June. Kathy Hughes says she's not sure when she'll be called back. It depends on how many servers the park will need. And they might not open up every full-timer back to Tusker for six months or eight months. Like, we just don't know. It's the not knowing. And she's excited to get back to work, not just because it's a paycheck, but because of the people. And you could probably ask every single cast member probably say the same thing. That's like your second family. Not only have theme parks been affected by the coronavirus pandemic, but water parks around Florida and beyond the state have also suffered as well. As parks begin to reopen for the summer, Taylor Levesque learned more about how they plan on making a comeback. It's the time of the year where tourists travel down south to enjoy sunshine, water, and amusement parks. But for water parks, this year is a little different. Adventure Landing Water Park Assistant General Manager Jeremy Christian says the coronavirus pandemic cut the usually long season short. We got through our spring break. Um, and then after that, we're pretty much shut down. And Sunsplash Family Water Park Manager Sandra Greiner says the park was only able to get in a little taste of the season before being forced to close. So we were actually open March 7th, March 8th, and then March 13th, 14th, 15th. And then on the 15th, I was told we couldn't be open anymore. Christian says the Jacksonville Beach Base Water Park is definitely feeling the consequences of closing. All aspects of the park were affected. 
Griner agrees. We have a lot of people, especially now in the summer, that come from like Germany, Sweden, South America recently. Obviously, we aren't getting those people either. So tourism here is really, really bad. Forced closures have also spread beyond the state of Florida. Alabama Adventure and Splash Adventure is an amusement and water park in Jefferson County. Human Resources and Marketing Manager Alex Ramsey says the water park didn't get an opportunity to open for the season until just last week. We were delayed in opening. Our original opening date was planned for May 16th, and Jefferson County and the state of Alabama wasn't starting to reopen until a little bit before our new opening date, which was May 30th. Now back to Florida. The decision to close amusement parks was made back in March, but in late May, with approval from local and state officials and Governor Ron DeSantis, Florida amusement parks were given permission to reopen, with restrictions, of course. During his press conference in Orlando on Wednesday, DeSantis said he's happy amusement parks around Florida finally have the opportunity to resume business again. If you look, not a lot of evidence of widespread outdoor transmission. So if you're outside of the theme park, if you're at a water park, some of these things, I'm not saying it's impossible, I'm not saying it can't happen, but I think we've seen more and more studies look at that and say the risk of transmission dramatically less. Griner says during Sunsplash's closure period, improving safety measures has been the number one priority. We have an outdoor cafe. As soon as somebody gets up from that table and chairs, we're going to right away spray them down and wipe them down. We have antibacterial soap in all our bathrooms. There will just be double and triple checking to make sure that those containers are always full. The other thing we're going to take special care on, we've got three drinking fountains throughout the park. We are going to make sure that those are cleaned probably every half hour. I'm going to have literally people rotating and just going and cleaning and spraying throughout the day. Christian says Adventure Landing will also be working to protect guests and staff members. So our chairs have been spaced. We put our chairs in groups of four and then space those groups out to the six-foot social distance. Our queue lines have been adjusted. We're increasing our sanitation and disinfecting procedures for all the chairs and touch surfaces. As far as water treatment, Christian says maintaining chemical levels is important. As far as the CDC and the Department of Health has mentioned, current procedures for disinfecting the water using their standard chemicals and maintaining to the levels already recommended is appropriate to inactivate the virus. And from what they've told us, as of right now, there is no proof of human-to-human transfer in the water. Alabama Adventure and Splash Adventure has reopened, and Ramsey says while the return of visitors has been slow, it was expected. We didn't want that massive flow at first. We wanted to make sure that our new policies and procedures were going to be up for the task. So every single part of our operation was analyzed and adjusted before we, you know, opened the floodgates, I guess. We are confident in our new policies and procedures, and, and they've been proven just in the last couple of days that they do seem to be effective. Adventure Landing in Jacksonville Beach and Sunsplash Family Water Park in Cape Coral both reopen on June 6th. Another way tourists like to beat the heat, especially in the summer, is by visiting Florida's beaches. Broward County began reopening its beaches last week after weeks of being closed. Anthony Montalto caught up with visitors and business owners on Hollywood Beach to see how things are going. Hollywood Beach has long been home to a wide variety of hotels, restaurants, and shops, all situated around the infamous Broadwalk. But in March, the beach and Broadwalk closed due to the coronavirus pandemic. 
While non-essential businesses around the Broadwalk closed, some considered essential did too. It's been slow, gradually getting guests back in house. May have had a stronger uh, restart, but uh, people are here for the beach and it's been raining. That's Courtney Dunlop. She's the general manager of the St. Maurice Beach Inn. And even though the inn is considered essential, she closed her doors. Her employees were concerned, she says, but when Broward opened beaches up again, she shortly followed. She's hopeful things will pick up again, even though they're slow. People are just gearing up and finally starting to plan vacations and, and traveling more than the, to their local grocery store. So I do have some guests that have been here several times and they're looking to call and rebook for July and August. Dunlop says one of her regulars is staying at the inn right now. I have a return guest who stayed with us many times. Every time she comes to visit her family in the Hollywood area, she stays at our property. And she just flew in from Pennsylvania and will be with us for 16 days. She said her flight was pretty booked and full. And she's hoping full flights mean more tourists are on their way to South Florida. That's a great sign because South Florida all depends on tourism. We're a strong tourist market and we need them to start coming again. But typically around this time of year, Dunlop says she sees more South Floridians taking staycations than tourists. This is a big time of year for staycationers. People that live south and homestead, people that live west in the Everglade area um, that don't get to uh, be close to the beach. This is this is the time of year we have a lot of staycationers. And Dunlop isn't the only one who sees a lot of locals. Hollywood Beach Trike is a bicycle rental, sale, and repair shop, also located on the Broadwalk. Operations manager Dan Cedeno says the trike shop stayed open through the lockdown period. We actually did not shut our doors. We stayed open. We started to see a, a sale increase in bike sales. As far as rentals, the rentals did change when they closed the boardwalk due to, due to COVID, and basically we had to adapt. He says the Broadwalk's closure changed where renters can ride their bikes, as the closure also included the Broadwalk's bike lane. We had to direct our customers to move to ride on Surf Road or A1A to get into Dania Beach, where their boardwalk or their biking path had not been affected. But the Broadwalk reopened in mid-May, and the beach reopened for activities like walking, jogging, and swimming last Tuesday. Now the trike shop's bikes of all shapes and sizes once again roam the Broadwalk. But even though things are beginning to relax, the shop still takes precautions. We disinfect the bikes when they come back. We disinfect the bikes before they go, wipe everything down for customers. Anyone who wants to come inside the store has to wear a mask. On busier days, we'll put up a little barricade so that way we only allow customers in at small groups at a time, if not one at a time. And Cedeno hopes that this week's reopening of the Margaritaville Hotel across the sidewalk from him also drives in new customers although he's not so sure people are ready to vacation again just yet. I think it's definitely going to be gradual. I don't see anybody rushing into any hotels so soon after this, simply because, you know, hygiene. I think that hotels can be some of the cleanest places, but I think that just in confined spaces, people, you know, they'll, they'll feel a bit more paranoid. As for the dozens of people dotting the beach, sunbathing and enjoying the outdoors, it seems most of them are locals too. One man named Jason was there with his daughter. They live in Davie. And three recent graduates of nearby South Broward High School were on the beach taking pictures in their caps and gowns. Cheyenne Gray and Juliet Morales say they chose the beach for a few reasons. Because of sweet old Corona, we can't have our own graduation that was supposed to take place yesterday. So instead, we improvised and came to the beach. 
and also like we grew up around here the beach is always somewhere we go like as friends so it was just like natural for us to come and like commemorate or like last time almost being together and the third member of the group valeria garcia shared perhaps the best reason and how many people have a graduation picture at the beach like this is our only chance to really do it because we don't have a traditional ceremony you can like like, if you had a traditional ceremony, you wouldn't be able to bring your gown here. But while Hollywood Beach isn't as crowded as it usually is, one thing's for certain. People here really want to get back to normal soon. Florida's tourism industry is more than beaches and theme parks. The state has one of the largest ecotourism industries in the nation, and with the new normal of social distancing, its popularity could continue to rise. Cameron Lund spoke with one of the heads of tourism in Alachua County and the owner of Wakaiva Island in Longwood to see how COVID-19 has impacted business. From as high up as the governor's office in Florida comes a statement that may deem ecotourism one of the safest options for vacation or leisure activities. As the state and country continues to open up as the battle with COVID-19 rages on, Governor Ron DeSantis addresses outdoor activities such as fishing and boating and calls them low risk. We're the fishing capital of the country, the boating capital of the country. We view those as being, you know, recreation that's much more low risk than some other recreation that you could see that other states would offer. From biking to boating to even bird watching, the state is full of countless outdoor activities on or in many of the lakes, rivers, and forests that the Sunshine State is home to. Several of those activities can be done in any of the state's 175 state parks, which are all open right now. Locally, Alachua County is already seeing increases during the coronavirus in these activities. Sean Plemons is the Tourism Program Coordinator for Visit Gainesville, a tourism agency for both the city of Gainesville and Alachua County. Plemons also doubled down on what the governor said, saying that Alachua County's natural attractions are some of the safest to attend. In the current climate, ecotourism is one of the safer options available to the public uh, to stay socially distanced, uh, recreation, exercise, relaxation. Um, and then, of course, we have our springs, lakes, and the Santa Fe River. Along with those countless waterways, Alachua County also has over 100 miles of trails. Plemons went on to mention several outdoor locations in the county that continued to thrive even as COVID-19 was shutting down whole cities and states in the months of March and April. Depot Park, their nature trail, walking trail, has been incredibly busy even though the playground and splash pad have been closed. The Gainesville Hawthorne Trail, that biking trail, uh, very busy with cycling activity. And um, Sweetwater Wetlands Park, which is a, a hot spot for birding activity and hiking. Um, actually saw record high visitation in March and then more visitation in April and May. As June heats up, so are springs in the state, but not just those owned by the Parks Department. Independently owned springs and outdoor venues are also looking into a new situation as they begin to open up for their busiest season, summer. One of those such locations is Wakaiva Island, which is located in Longwood. Owner Bill Wynog says that at the beginning of the lockdown, he was serious to close down amenities such as the bar and restaurant located on his property. We actually shut down our operations before the governor shut us down. Uh, and that's because, you know, we're, we're a little canoe livery. We have an outdoor bar. We're a marina. We've got boat slips. Um, you know, but, you know, and we have an indoor bar, uh, general store, 
and, and we were just having a tough time uh, getting folks to um, social distance and kind of like take it serious. As the seriousness of the situation set in for the rest of the world, Wynog was moving to extra precautions to keep all of his customers safe. From as simple as six feet distancing in line to as advanced as touchless pay, Wynog is not risking the safety of his staff and community. QR codes and you take your phone, you put it to QR code, it takes you right to the waiver. We used to have um, iPads that people would fill out. We're not handing out iPads anymore. Like I said, touchless pay systems, we... Uh, we, if somebody has to grab a pen, we have a UV light system where we disinfect all the pens. After being at 50% capacity on Memorial Day weekend, which was 200 people on his five-acre property, Wynog is glad to see his property open to full capacity with Phase 2 starting June 5th. He feels his community, much like the rest of the state, is ready to enjoy the outdoors again. There is a huge interest in our community and in people to get back out into mother nature, you know, and, and to get back out on the river and get outdoors and, you know, get some vitamin D. So this year, maybe your best bet for a vacation isn't down I-75, but over the river and maybe even through the woods. From the Front Lines is a production of the Innovation News Center at the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. Thank you to our producers, Taylor Levesque, Anthony Montalto, Josh Williams, Melissa Fato, and Cameron Lund. Also, thanks to our fellow Florida public media stations for their contributions to this podcast. And a special thank you to Matt Abramson and Craig Lee for their work behind the scenes. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have a story to share with From the Front Lines, please contact WUFT on Facebook or Twitter or send an email to news at WUFT.org. That's news at WUFT.org. Join us next Friday for another edition of From the Front Lines. I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and of course, thanks for listening.